0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now let's worship God by opening His Word. Hey, good morning. Uh, My name is Brad, and I'm the campus pastor here in Argyle, and I'm also on the preaching team, so I'm glad to be with you. Um, We're going to be in 1 Peter 5. If you want to go ahead and and turn there, we won't be there for a little while here, but you might want to go ahead and start looking at that. If you do not have a Bible or did not bring one, there is one underneath the seat somewhere around you, uh, and you're welcome to have that if you don't have a Bible, but uh, 1 Peter 5 is where we'll be, and we're going to continue this morning in our sermon series on the beauty of the church, which is that awesome bumper video uh, that you just saw. And um, I love this subject. Uh, I have a, a great passion for this subject. I feel a great sense of urgency to talk about the, the holy institution of the church. Uh, I have a great zeal. Like As I study this, I just I can't wait to, to talk about the church. I love the church. And in our culture, I believe that the church is under attack in your heart and in your mind. I think that the consumeristic culture in which we live in affluent America, in Argyle, Texas, or whatever town around here you live in, you are inclined to see church as something you go to. And that's why we all, I've, I've caught myself saying this recently, Where do they go to church? Well, you don't go to church. Uh, We're not putting on events here. I want you to know that. Uh, This is not something that you can add to your schedule. If you are a Christian, you are the church. And so we don't go to church. We are the church. And if you are the church, therefore you should belong to a local body, to a church, and not consumeristically hop from one To another, but you should belong to the body of Christ. You should have somewhere to go on a Sunday morning to gather with your family, to worship. You should have a local family to care for you when you suffer, when you struggle, to hold you accountable when you sin, to point you to Jesus over and over and over again. And so you should receive care from your local body and you should also give to your local body. You should use the gifts that God has given you to bless your church family. And you have gifts. Don't don't look at me like you don't have any gifts. You have gifts. We all have gifts. And so you need a local body to belong to and as we're going to talk about today, you need to be shepherded by a group of godly men called elders or pastors. You need, we need to be led to be under authority. Under God's authority and also his delegated authority. And so in, in, first, or in Titus 1, it says this. This is Paul talking. He's planting churches. This is the instruction he gives. This is why I left you in Crete. So that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Appoint elders. There's an S there. It's plural. There's plurality of eldership. There's not one guy who's the dude. I'm not the dude. Scott's not the dude. No one is the man here. No one is the king here. Jesus is the king and there's a group of men that he has delegated authority to, and those are called elders. And what do elders do? They, they lead, they feed, and they protect the church. So we, we're called to lead. I'm one of the elders. We're called to lead the church, to steward the resources of the church, God's money, God's building, God's people, to steward. It's not my stuff. It's his stuff. Not our stuff. It's his stuff. So we're called to lead, to make decisions. We're called to feed with the the Word of God. Jesus said that, that the Word of God is the food of God for your soul. So if you're spiritually hungry today, or spiritually malnourished today, you may have a deficiency of just feeding on the Word of God. And so we're called to feed you with this Word, not with my ideas or with stuff that we cooked up, but with the Word of God. And further, to protect The church. One of our mottos around here as we're considering what we're doing is is gospel safety in time. We want to preach the gospel. It's all about Jesus. We need to have a safe environment, not just to have uh, law enforcement to protect the place, which we do, but also to protect the doctrine. The Bible says that false teachers will, will rise up from within, from within. To teach doctrine that is contrary to Christ. Just, just usually, usually just a little bit off. Just a little bit off of Jesus. Just a little bit off center. And so we're called to lead, feed, and protect. That's some of the things we do. Elders are pastors. Pastors are elders. That's what the Bible says. So when you see overseer in the Bible, when you see elder in the Bible, when you see pastor in the Bible, these terms are used interchangeably. And so maybe you've seen elders operate as board members. We're not board members, but shepherds. So don't think CEO, think shepherd. Think a, a man with calloused hands who is in amongst the sheep, loving them. And so our, our elders, our, our pastors are our ordained men of God. If someone, if one of you is getting married and, or, or, or having a funeral and, and you ask one of us to officiate that, we don't have to ordain the elders. They've been ordained. They've been commissioned by God. And so I, I serve with these men. And there are eight of us. And so I want to just show a picture so you can see what, who these men are. And, and you might say, Brad, that's nine. And I did take remedial math in college, because I'm not good at adding, but that leads me to my next deal, and I want to talk to you about a man named Bob, a faithful man named Bob Easterlin. And so that gigantic picture, which I think is behind me of Bob, uh, is a man that I dearly, dearly love. I met him years ago, and as one of the elders of this church, I was, I was charged to talk to him as a potential elder candidate, and so we had lunch And I talked to Bob and I just said, hey, Bob, he was faithfully serving. He and his wife, Tracy, who who is wonderful, they were faithfully serving. They were just just doing it, leading a group, um, just contributing to our body and just leading um, almost even just humbly in the shadows. And so I said, we see this in you. And he he looked at me like a deer in the headlights, like you've got the wrong guy because that's who Bob is. He is humble. And so I assured him, we looked at 1 Timothy 3, where the qualifications for elders are, and I said, no, brother, you're qualified by the Bible. I understand your heart. And so Bob is a gentle man. He is a wise man. He is a kind man. And Bob has faithfully served this church body for eight years as an elder. And you probably have never seen him, but he has prayed for you. And he has spent hours upon hours upon hours on church care issues. Hours upon hours shepherding this body, loving this body. And I'm so, so thankful for him. And after a time of of sabbatical and prayer, Bob has decided, and we have decided as elders with him, that this is a good time for him to roll off of being an elder. For him to, to cease to be one of the elders, the pastors here. And he's staying at TDC. He's investing deeply in the hospitality ministry in Louisville. But this is a time for him to rest. And it's a time for us to honor him and to say, Bob, well done. We, we love Bob. And so would you join me in, in praying for Bob? God, I want to thank you for this faithful brother who I have learned so much from. Uh, for Bob and just for shepherds like him that, that I get to sit under and serve with and, and, and these folks in here have been benefited by the humble Christ-like leadership of Bob. And we pray that you would refresh him and Tracy, that you would honor him, that he would feel your affirmation today, that he would feel he has, has done well as he has, as I've witnessed God. So thank you for him. Thank you for our elders. As we, as we look at your, your word, Lord, now, Holy Spirit, would you minister to us? Would you make it clear um, that we are to be under the headship of the chief shepherd, and that is Jesus? So help me as I look at this word and, and preach this. May we, may we be recipients of your grace and your wisdom this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so 1 Peter 5. We're going to be in verses 1 through 5. Go there with me. It says this. This is Peter writing. He says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, And when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is God's word, and I just want to point out a few things. Um, number one, Peter is, is writing to the churches in dispersion. This is the, the early church. It's been a few decades since Jesus has been killed on the cross. The church is expanding, and Peter is writing to these different churches. The, the theme of this letter, the, the letter of 1 Peter, is, is how to suffer well. And so there's not legal, governmental, systematic oppression of the church yet though Peter will be crucified upside down for his faith. But the culture, uh, much like our culture, has, has shifted. And so there's opposition to the church, organic opposition. So he's writing to them, and he's explaining to them how to suffer well. And he exhorts the elders. Verse 1, I exhort the elders. He pleads with them in love. says, listen. Shepherd the flock here. He's pleading with them in love. And, and he's talking to the church, not just the elders. He says, I exhort the elders among you, which means he's talking to the whole church. And his tone is, 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 is love and his eyes are clearly upon Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus the whole time. So I want to point out three things in our text. Three things about eldering. So number one, eldering is a happy task. It's a happy task. Look at verse two with me. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. We are to eagerly, the elders are to eagerly, joyfully serve. It is a happy task. Jesus said, for the the joy set before him, he went to the cross. The cross was not joyful. His heart toward his people was eager to serve them, eager to sacrifice for them. And so Peter has a contrast between eagerly serving and serving for shameful gain. You can be eager to love people or you can be eager to assert yourself and to build yourself up. And the opposite of of eagerly serving would be eagerly serving yourself. Our leadership, the elders' leadership, should be cruciform. What does that mean? It means cross-shaped. It means like Jesus. Jesus. You can serve in, in such a way that it's like y- you pay so that I rise or I can pay that you would rise. You for me or me for you. Servant leadership is Christ-like leadership. We want to lead like Jesus. And what, what, what is scary about spiritual leadership is a lot of times people want to be in leadership for the wrong reason. Narcissists love leadership. A lot of leadership gurus that you see, narcissists, because you can obtain power. Or opportunists, they're like, man, if I do this, this is really going to help me out. So you got to be careful. Some of you have been hurt by leaders. I recognize that. I recognize this, this conversation can be tough. But the dynamic is really to either use people Or to be used by God to serve people, to believe for people like Jesus, or to usurp his power, and to gain more status, and to gain more advantage. And this is revealed over time. It's not immediately apparent, it's revealed over time. And usually the motivation is revealed when you are hurt, when people leave the church when people criticize you, when people betray you, it's, it's revealed your heart over time and you can see either eagerness or, or selfishness. And, and in those moments, th- there is the dilemma because I've been there. It is, is Jesus enough for me, for my identity as a shepherd or is this for shameful gain? And so we're to serve joyfully, to shepherd Joyfully. Elders are also t- to called to shepherd locally. Look at that. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. It does not say, shepherd every flock. It does not say, shepherd the flock of the United States or of Texas or of North Texas. It says, shepherd the flock that is among you. The word literally means among you, amongst you, proximate. And so the elders are called to shepherd you. And so you, you, you may wonder, what, what are we doing about this crisis or that crisis or this crisis? just you see in the news and we've had people ask us like, what are y'all doing about this? What are y'all doing about this? What are y'all doing about this? And we care about those things but we have limited resources and we have a focus and that focus is upon you and your suffering and your problems. If you have a problem, we have a problem. If you are struggling, we want to move toward that struggle. We want to to be proximate, to have our eyes and our hearts and the resources of this church focused on you. It does not mean we have blinders on. Or that we don't care about the worldwide movement of the church. We fund church planners all over the globe. We have partners. We care. But our focus, our emphasis, is to be on you. There's two ways to change the world one would be systemic, change systems, change structures. That's good. You might think of politics in that way, or even business in that way, or activism in that way. You can change systems, or you can change people. And both are needed, but the question is, what is the role of the church? What are we supposed to do? Well, I can't change anyone, nor can I change systems, but Jesus can. And Jesus does. And so the mission of the church is to make disciples of of Jesus, The mission of the church is to to have disciples making disciples who make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. And as as this happens, the world changes. I see this. I see this. So just a few examples that that I've observed like in the last week. Martha Seordia, one of our members, she helps to clean hospitals. It's not her job to minister to people. She ministers to people. She's going to meet them in their suffering, and she's going to pray for them, and she's going to love them. And Jake Fuller, he's a businessman. He treats his business as ministry. Some of you have either worked for him or heard of him or worked with him. He's seeking to be a light in the business world for Jesus. Alicia Thompson, one of our members, she walks around Harvest praying that her neighbors would come to know Jesus. These people are changing the world. Do not miss the impact of your life. Do not miss the impact that you can have. So Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this. He gave the apostles. God gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. That is Christians in the church for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ. To equip the saints. Our job, the elders job is to equip you to do the ministry to equip you to live your ordinary life in an extraordinary way. In such a way that the world would change. We want to equip you. So eldering is a happy task. Number two, eldering is a holy task. It says that we should be, elders should be examples to the flock. What kind of examples? Well, Christ-like example, to have character like his, to have affections like his, to have motivations like his, to be gentle, to be self-controlled, to be faithful, to have integrity. Do you know what that word means? It means to be integrated. It means to be one person at all times, not a shapeshifter. Not environmentally dependent, like you're you're, you're different with your buddies on the golf course than you are at church or different at the office or different at home or whatever. We're supposed to be one person to have integrity. To be people of Christ, Jesus people, at all times and all places. John Stott was a well-known, he's gone to be with the Lord now, a well-known English pastor. I don't want to just share a story of this guy. Time Magazine Named him as one of the most 100 influential people. This, this dude was known. There's a guy who was traveling with him named, named Rene Padilla, and he tells this story. On the previous night, we had arrived in Bariloque, Argentina, in the middle of heavy rain. The street was muddy, and as a result, by the time we got to the room that had been assigned to us, our shoes were covered with mud. In the morning as I woke up, I heard the sound of a brush. John was busy brushing my shoes. John, I exclaimed full of surprise, what are you doing? My dear Renee, he responded, Jesus taught us to wash each other's feet. You do not need me to wash your feet, but I can brush your shoes. John Stott was an example, not an example of a good man, an example of a a godly man, of a Christ-like man who was the same man from the pulpit as he was in a room cleaning mud off his buddy's shoes. So elders don't need to be impressive. They need to be lowly and gentle like Jesus. Elders don't need to be eloquent. They need to be gospel fluent, able to apply the gospel to your life, to their own life. Elders don't need to be powerful. They need to be willing to lay down whatever power they have. That's to be condescending. I know that word has kind of a negative connotation, but to condescend is to go low. And elders don't need to be attractive. I need to show Jesus as attractive. And so it's a holy task to to elder, to shepherd. And so, what should be said about a great elder? What would be praise for an elder? He's a gifted leader. Man, he's smart. That dude is so smart. Or he's charismatic. Or he can preach the paint off the walls. Man, have you ever heard that guy preach? No. No. What should be said about a faithful shepherd is that man loves Jesus and that man loves me. It's a holy task. It's also number three, it's a heavy task. I heard someone say recently that, that, that shepherding people it is like one pebble is added to your load just one at a time. It's not a, not a weight that just rushes down upon you. It's just one at a time. It's one funeral. It's one critical email. It's one hurt. It's one hospital bedside. It's just one and one and one. And and it it is heavy. And it is cumulative in weight. And this is why we have patterns of rest and sabbatical, because it it can be heavy. And I I remember about five years ago, I rolled off of being elder for, for a short time. And we had a meeting that night. It was like my last meeting for a while, anyway. And those meetings went late. And so it was near midnight and uh, the elders had honored me and prayed for me and and just thanked me and job well done brother and all the things, right? Uh, I I deeply loved those men. And and so I went out to my car and I got in there and I just wept. And it wasn't because I was sad although I kind of was because I really loved serving with those men. It It was the weight that had been lifted of shepherding and then the weight of realization of the gravity of what I had been doing. And I remember just, just praying to God, God, I hope I've done a good job. I still feel that way. James 3.1 haunts me. It says, not many of you should become teachers my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now there's grace for for people with a microphone too and I I praise God for that. But but that that haunts me, that's heavy. The Bible says when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. It's a numbers game. Sinful dude, kind of scary to be honest with you, but I honestly, as I was preparing for this, I had to do business with God. It was like, is my grace enough for you? Is God just waiting to knock our, our heads off those of us on the preaching team if we say something wrong? No, there's grace for us too, but we will give an account. Hebrews 13 tells us how to lighten the cumulative load. It says, obey your leaders. By the way, I'm doing the same thing. And submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls. The elders of this church, if you're a member here, are keeping watch over your soul. As those who will have to give an account will stand before God and will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. That's how you can lighten the load is is to be easy to shepherd. It doesn't mean you don't express your opinions. It doesn't mean you don't express your criticism and your concerns. It doesn't mean we don't have relational issues, but it means... To trust those eight men that God has put in place here. To honor men like Bob and, and to, to revere them. And so I would just ask you, would, would you, if this is your church home, would you commit to praying for us? Would you do that? Would you pray for us that we would have the wisdom, that we would be protected from ourselves, that we would, would be faithful? Would you pray for us? Would you commit to that? It's a heavy but happy task. And I'm so grateful that I get to be one of the elders. And so flip over with me if you still have your Bibles open. If you don't, I, I want you to open them. Turn there. 1 Peter 2, verse 22. I want to talk about the chief shepherd. I'm kind of done talking about elders for a second. Let's talk about Jesus. It says, he committed no sin Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The shepherd and overseer of your souls. The elders are called to call you to submit to the lordship of, of King Jesus in every aspect of your life. From your friendships, to the way you handle your money, to your job, to your family, to your emotions, to your affections, to call you to submit to the lordship of Jesus. There's an element of togetherness in this. We do this together in a way. We grow together. Let me read a little bit from Ephesians. This is to complete what we had said in verse 12, talking about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Here's verse 13. This is what I want to say. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, and yes, womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, We're growing up together into Jesus that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. Are you being tossed to and fro by the waves? And carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up In every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We're to grow up together, church family, into Christ, into the fullness of the stature of, of Christ's likeness into the fullness of the stature of worshiping him. And and we also, we we grow together, we go together. Let us journey together into the vastness of Christ. Let us see him for all he is, for every aspect of his character, for everything that he accomplished, for everything that he is still doing in building his church. Let us go together into that vast wonderland that is Jesus. Jesus. Of knowing him more deeply, of surrendering to him, of enjoying him more completely. The Spirit of God leads us into deeper and deeper reliance upon Jesus, dependence upon him. You don't grow more independent when you get more mature, you grow more dependent, more desperate. Let's grow in desperation together, church family. And so every person in this room, all of us, is designed, made to be led by God. And every one of us has rebelled. Every one of us has usurped his authority and said, I know, I know, I know what you've, you've said. I'm going to do my thing. Every one of us has been the the head of his own life, the king of his own life, the shepherd and overseer of his own soul, her own soul. Every one of us has, but Jesus has made a way to reconcile us to proper headship. He says, come under my yoke. Come under me, the chief shepherd. Come under my leadership. Stop trying to be your own God. You're not. And as a representative of the king, just an under-shepherd, that's all I am, that's all we are as elders, a mailman delivering the good news, that's it. I call you to submit to the king. I call you to submit to his lordship over your life. Our text says the chief shepherd is coming back. The king will be here soon again. He's coming back. Submit to him now. It's a sweet, sweet thing to fall at his feet. The shepherd and overseer of your soul, his authority is inherent. His kingship is, is inherent. It is from within. It is who he is. He is the rightful king. Elders delegated authority. From his authority. And so he is the rightful king. Jesus is the shepherd. Who laid down his life for the sheep and who serves perfectly. So let us bow down to him. Let us bow down to him. Father, I, I ask that you would give us the, the hearts. Receptive and eager to bow down. I pray that where we are trying to be the king of our own lives, that you would call us now, Holy Spirit, in the deepest inward parts of us, to bow down to King Jesus, the rightful King. Lord, as one of the elders of this church, just one of them, I thank you for your headship. And I pray that you would continue to bless this body with good leadership, with men who love Jesus and love People. And now we get to sing, which is a gift. And we get to come low knowing that we're not big but that we are loved. And so we come low and we lift our voices high to the rightful King. Jesus, you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of. Of everything that we have, may we ring out our hearts in song to you. May our self-consciousness go away as we look you in the face and praise you. Holy Spirit, help to make that happen. Well up praise within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Point other people to the glories of Christ by how we how we live, how we suffer, how we process, and how we serve. I even pray for the door church elders that we would always seek the chief shepherd, that we'd be under shepherds of your gospel and your truth, that we would be a family that glorifies Christ, that we'd show the beauty of Christ by how we interact with one another. That's that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.